0: Morning friends. Good to see you here again today. Blessing to be in the fellowship of the saints together worshiping our God. When we have so much to worship, so much to be thankful for. It's a great blessing to be here with you. We all go to great lengths to get what we want, don't we? We've proven that throughout our lives that We'd go to extremes to make sure that we're comfortable. Examples are many and abound. For instance, we've seen people wait in long lines for days to get tickets to get into a concert or to be the first in line to get into the sale of the day. Um, We will endure wind, rain, freezing temperatures for all sorts of things, like play a round of golf, uh, go shoot a bird, whatever have you. You We endure much for a little, don't we? We do what we can to get what we want, whenever we want. We'll do months of research and then travel to Northern Idaho to buy a car or a pickup, right? We'll, we'll even do more drastic things to get certain medical treatments or nutritional supplements. Uh, How far will you go to get what you want? How far will you go to get what you want? um, To maybe even resolve serious medical concerns in your life. To what lengths would you go to have a chance to return to normal if chaos was out of hand in your life? Probably a great length, wouldn't you? You'd go a long ways. Do all sorts of things. Well, in our passage today, in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 40 through 45, uh, we're going to see a man who risked everything uh, to have a chance at resolving the massive chaos that was in his life. He went to great extent to see resolution. So if you have a Bible, open it, would you, to Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45. If you don't have a Bible, there's probably one in front of you in the pew. Please open that and join me. Uh, A sermon is always served well with an open Bible. Um, So please open it. Follow along as I read these verses. Starting in verse 40, Mark chapter 1, And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will But he went out and began to talk freely about it and spread the news so that Jesus could no longer open, openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. In our passage today, we're gonna to see a man who risked everything to get to Jesus. In Mark chapter one, of course, the author wants his readers to understand Jesus is in unique territory. He's just not like your average prophet. He's not just a good teacher, not just a great leader. He is in a unique category that only he exists in. He is none other than the God of the universe. That's what Mark wants you and me to understand. He wants us to understand that Jesus is so unique that he solves problems that no one else can solve. He solves physical disease problems. He solves demonic activity problems. He solves sin problems. He solves all chaos problems. Ever since the Garden of Eden, when chaos was introduced and the plight of man changed forever, God came along and solved the chaos problem in mankind. God is a problem solver. I want you to see the plight of this man here in Mark chapter 1, but not just this man, but the plight of all men, women, and children. But today, I want, I want you to look with me at this text and see the plight of man. I think what we're going to see here, as Mark summarizes his introductory thoughts about Jesus' identity, his authority, his power, his purpose. He t- retells a story here of a man with leprosy. In this story, we're going to discover that it's more than just a story about a very sick man. It's actually a story about us, each of us, everyone in this room. But first, let's look at the plight of this man in the story. Leprosy, of course, was known to be incurable. No doctor or medicine was ever able to cure this horrible disease. Everybody knew that. Jesus had never even healed a leper up to this time in his ministry. He had healed a woman with a fever. He had healed others. It's recorded in Mark chapter 1, verse 34. But this man was a hopeless leper. Everybody knew that he was out of bounds. He was gone. He was done for. Right? The last leper, in fact, to be healed was Naaman in 2 Corinthians 5 by Elisha. I mean, 2 Kings 5 by Elisha. That was a long time before this. A couple thousand years. So... The cure for leprosy was not around. This man knew that his leprosy was terminal. He knew his fate. He was hopeless. The man here in verse 40 is only known as leper. Mark doesn't give him a name, simply a leper. No more information. And I think that's enough information for us to understand the severity of this man, the desperation of this man. In Luke's record, remember Luke was a doctor, He said this man was full of leprosy, which meant he was near the end. His his body was racked with leprosy. It was just about over. That was Mark's record. So let me give you a word about leprosy without grossing you out too much. Leprosy was one of the most feared diseases in the ancient world. It was, if someone was told they had leprosy, they were hearing a death sentence, all right? Uh, Not just a death sentence, but (laughs) <laughs> an immediate barring from society, a, a lonely death sentence, a, a depressing death sentence. Leprosy was a very contagious disease that slowly ate people away from the inside and the out. It, it not only affected the outside of the body, which made a person look hideous, but it also deteriorated the internal organs and even the bones. A, a life of a leper, as you would imagine, Became very lonely. They were ostracized. They were required to stay away from the public. And they were removed from home and family. The only people they could get near to were others who had this horrible disease. In fact, Jewish law says that if anybody came within a certain distance, they had to yell out to them, unclean, unclean. In other words, it's dangerous, don't come any closer. How would you like to live like that? Maybe some of us have, right? COVID. <laughs> Unclean. That's how we feel sometimes about that, isn't it? But the leper's plight was seriously hopeless. And Mark chose to use this man's healing because this man's healing gives particular insight into Jesus. Some, some things that all the other healings that we've already heard, all the other things that we've seen just in this chapter don't reveal about Jesus. This is a, a special record, an important story. Let's, let's make sure we pay close attention to pick up on the detail. So the plight of this man was horrible. Now let's look at the plight of every man, every woman, every child. The story of Jesus' healing of the leper in Mark 1 not only shows Jesus' power to heal a lethal disease, but also shows the dreadful spiritual truth about each of us. We really can place ourselves in the place of this leper in a spiritual sense. We were all born with spiritual leprosy. We were all ostracized from God. We were all on our own without hope, Paul tells us in the world. Yes, this this is about us, this story. There's no cure for our inherent spiritual disease either, outside the same one who cured this leper in Mark 1. People attempt all sorts of cures for their spiritual malignancy, don't they? Maybe you've tried these things, reading self-help books, attending wellness weekends, paying psychologists, becoming philanthropists, volunteering at homeless shelters, volunteering at church all to shake this malady that is unshakable, this spiritual leprosy. We all remain infected with this lethal spiritual disease, eventually succumbing to its end, like this leper had to look forward to. In fact, I'm of the opinion, and I think Mark is also, that our plight is actually more alarming than the plight of this leper. Our plight is deceptive. We can live an entire life thinking we're okay. In fact, we scoff at those who try to tell us otherwise. Have you seen my life? I've got a great family, I got a good job, I, I vacation in Maui. What do you mean I got a problem? What do you mean I have a spiritual disease? I'm doing fine. You see, this, the spiritual version of leprosy is deceptive. This man wasn't confused about his condition, many of us are, we're deceived into thinking we're okay. We think that our situation doesn't require immediate attention. The leper was desperate enough to know that he had to do something about his situation. In fact, he was desperate enough to go to great ends to resolve his problem. He broke laws, both legal and social laws, just to get to Jesus, his only hope. What we must see as we look deeply into this story is that Jesus is actually our only hope as well, more so than this leper. Listen to the Bible's conclusion concerning our situation. Romans 3, 10 and 23, as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Isaiah 59, 2. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Friends, our spiritual leprosy is serious. But I want you to see something else here in this text, besides the plight of man, his and ours. I want you to see the role of faith. I I want you to see how faith plays a role in this man's healing and the same faith plays a role in your healing and my healing. It seems that this leper had faith. He demonstrated it in a couple of ways at least, didn't he? Yes, he walked up to Jesus (laughs) knowing that it was likely that he would incur physical attack by a frightened people in the process of walking up to Jesus. The scene of this event must have been very dramatic Just after the greatest sermon that was ever preached, which was the Sermon on the Mount, Luke records this, Jesus came down the mountain after preaching and ran in to this leper. So that's the context. All right? Crowds thronging around Jesus, all wanting to shake his hand for a sermon well preached. That was amazing. Something every preacher wants to hear, right? Oh, what a sermon. Crowds and throngs. Up walks this outcast, this leper, contagious, illegally walks up, seeking Jesus. It would be like a shark swimming through a school of fish, wouldn't it? Up walks this one guy. Terror terror strikes out in the crowd. Everybody's screaming, running, throwing rocks, looking at Jesus, getting closer and closer to this man, thinking, what are you doing, Jesus? Jesus. And then, turning towards the leper, you haven't said unclean, you're disgusting, get away, go back to your cave, was the scene in that moment. And yet he came, through the anger, through the fear, through the stunned silence, maybe even through the physical threats, to get to Jesus. Jesus. He also demonstrated his faith by his words he believed that Jesus could heal him this is what he said you can make me clean (laughs) he said I believe you can heal me all right so he demonstrated faith by walking into a dangerous situation and by saying the words of faith I believe you can make me well We may be tempted to sit here and marvel at the faith of this poor leper, thinking he's such a noble guy to be able to come up with such faith in the midst of all adversity. But once we think about it for a bit, we realize that saving faith doesn't come from within us. He wasn't all that noble. Where does faith come from? If you've been here a while, you've heard these things before. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, the famous go-to passage to tell us where our faith comes from. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this, what this what? This faith is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of work so that no one can boast. It's not that you're noble, it's that God is good and kind and grants faith to those who hear his message. It's not a result of nobility, not a result of good works. It's a result of grace, for by grace you'll be saved through faith. So how did this leper get faith? He was an outcast. He was separate from Jesus, separate from his preaching. Romans 10:17 tells us that faith comes from hearing the word of Christ. How, how was he able to hear the word of Christ? D- did he hear Jesus preach? Maybe he stood on the outskirts on the mountain that day and heard him preach. Did he witness the miracles that Jesus performed, maybe standing behind a wall and seeing Jesus throw out a demon or raise up a fever-possessed lady? Did he witness Jesus? Did he hear Jesus? Did he hear stories about Jesus' preaching, about Jesus' healing power? It may be, and I think this is likely, that this leper was familiar with the Old Testament which speaks much of the Messiah. He knew what the Messiah was going to do when the Messiah showed up. And the stories he was hearing probably confirmed his belief that this, in fact, was the Messiah. And if this is the Messiah, according to Isaiah, he will heal diseases. I'm going. It says in verse 28, Mark chapter 1, that Jesus' fame spread everywhere. The leper probably heard, maybe even saw, maybe even heard personally the words of Christ, right? Faith comes from hearing the words of Christ. (laughs) He heard the Messiah's words, that promised healing, that promised forgiveness, that promised reconciliation, that promised forgiveness of sin by God himself, that he would restore all things, that he would set captives free. This is what Messiah was preaching. It would make complete sense that he believed that Jesus could do this for him. I think... uh, uh, a lesson that we can learn, I, maybe it's a secondary lesson from this text, but an important one about faith. Knowledge always precedes faith. We don't believe in a vacuum. We believe in response to what we hear of Christ. People must hear of Christ if they will believe. You are an example. The reason you believe in Jesus Christ if you sit here this morning believing is because you've heard of Christ. You heard his words, you responded to those words. Why? Because the Holy Spirit took those words and planted them in your heart, and you responded in faith to the truths of those words. Friends, this is why we share Jesus with our neighbors, because they need to hear the words of Christ. This is why we send missionaries, because the unreached need to hear the words of Christ. <laughs> so important This is what the leper experienced. This is what you experienced. This is what every person from Adam on has experienced when, if they've experienced faith. If this leper was a true believer, he was granted faith in Christ by God through the instrumentality of the preaching of Jesus. It's not complicated. It's a spiritual reality. It is mystical, but it's true and simple. The words of Christ transform, the words of Christ begin faith. So, have you heard of Jesus' power? Have you heard of Jesus' love? Have you seen the miracle of grace of work in the heart of someone that you know? Have you thought to yourself, if Jesus can do that for that person, why not me? I want you to look at something that I think Mark intended. I can't prove that, but I think Mark intended this. I want you to look closely at verse 40 and just look at the personal pronouns and how they progress. Look at the personal pronouns in Mark 40 and see how they progress. And it is a awesome picture that demonstrates real, genuine faith. There's three personal pronouns in that verse, the first, that Mark uses is a third person pronoun. Him. You see that? Him. What's the second personal pronoun that Mark uses to draw you in closer to genuine faith? You. That's a second person pronoun, isn't it? So from third to second, what's the next pronoun? Me. First person pronoun. From him to you, to me. All, we're all, we can easily believe that God can do something for him or them. That's, that doesn't take any faith. Oh yeah, I, I heard about him, I heard about them. Missionaries come and sit, stand up here and tell us stories about all them, the wonderful things that God did for them. Great, awesome. Maybe we make it to the second level where we know someone personally. Look what God did for you. And you, and you, I believe, man, how awesome was that that God did that for you? Where we get hung up is when we have to move to the first pronoun. Do we believe believe he can do it for me? Not for them, not for him or her, not for you, for me. Will Jesus do that for me? That's where it becomes saving faith, friends, and not before Until you embrace what Jesus can do for me, you're not believing anything. Hear me. Is he willing to make me clean? Oh, friends, think on this. When will your faith become personal? Jesus, you can heal me. Are you willing to say, Jesus, if you will, you can make me clean? Friends, you must personally put your trust in Christ. Not in your parents' faith, not in your pastor's faith, your missionary's faith. Your faith, personal, first-person, me faith. Jesus died for me. Another important element here that we see in this verse is, Going back to Romans 10:17, Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. The word of who? Whom? Christ. Not the word of John Schubert. Not the word of Fred or Susie or Jim. No. The word of Christ. Your testimony is wonderful. Awesome. Great. But that second person. That maybe even third person. Friends, It's not hearing my testimony that turns people's hearts to Jesus. It's hearing the words of Jesus that turns people's hearts to Jesus. So when you give out your Christmas cookies this year to your neighbors, include a copy, paperback, of the Gospel of John. You can buy them for $0.95 on Amazon. Include it with your cookies. And say, here is a small demonstration of a greater gift, read this booklet. And then let the Holy Spirit do his work. When you send out your Christmas letters to friends, neighbors, relatives, include the scripture, the words of Christ, which plant the seeds of faith, which grow into saving faith. Friends, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the words of Christ. You know, I've always kind of scoffed at these people who put, you know, hell and brimstone verses on the back of their bumpers and, you know, a big sign out in their front yard. You're driving out to the dump. You see that one guy out there that's got this, his whole fence is painted with, um, can't remember what verse it is, but it's the words of Christ. I used to scoff at driving past those things when I realized that's more effective than my testimony. (laughs) I'm not telling you to go paint your fences uh, or put stickers on your car, but I'm telling you to use the words of Christ Jesus. I'm not telling you that. (laughs) Paul's telling you that. (laughs) Romans 10, 17, right? The Holy Spirit's telling you that. Let's next look at our need for a Savior. If the plight is as it is for this leper and for you and me as spiritual lepers, um, if faith is what it is, we are dependent on God to grant it, the next obvious thing this passage would have to deal with is our need for a savior, right? We need a savior. We can't figure this out on our own. We, We can't get to the medicine. We can't find a doctor who can heal our leprosy, our spiritual leprosy. We need a savior. First of all, a savior who could touch. We need a savior who could touch. That's something you're gonna have to add to your outline because it's not there. I'm gonna expect you to be able to read it and write it down. We need a savior who can touch. Notice this, look at the verse again. With pity, verse 42, moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I will be clean. Did Jesus need to reach out and touch this man to heal him? No. He did this a lot. He touched people a lot. We would have given him a break if he didn't do it here, right? Yeah, the guy's leprous, you know, after all. I mean, let's say you're in the crowd. You see Jesus touch this leper. Would you go up and shake Jesus' hand right afterward and say, hey, great sermon. (laughs) Jesus reached out and touched him. A man who probably hadn't been touched in years, because he was near the end. Maybe a decade hadn't been touched by another human, unless he got in a fight with another leper. He touched this leper this leper, because he's a savior who cares. He touched him. It's an amazing picture. <laughs> He touched the leper to demonstrate the love of God. The very thing that the incarnation is all about. What we celebrated this morning in the Advent candle, in the Advent songs, was this. We have a God who touches. Theoretically, and I say this very lightly, I'm putting no weight on this. So don't take me to the theological woodshed here, all right? Just listen, listen. Listen. Theoretically, God could have healed from heaven, right? Kept his hands clean. He could have just said, yeah, all you lepers down there, stay down there. And, uh, okay, you're healed. He didn't. He touched. He came. Listen to the first sentence in the Apostle John's first epistle. This, this John was standing there next to Jesus when he healed this leper. Listen to John's introductory remarks to his first epistle. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon, and have touched with our hands. We've handled this Savior. Concerning the word of life. Friends, we need a savior who can touch. We need a savior who's one of us. We need our savior, Jesus Christ, who became one of us, who took on flesh, John 1, 14 says, a flesh like ours with skin and bones and blood in order to save us, his people, by living a perfect life, by dying in our place. We need a savior who can touch and we have one in Christ Jesus. Do you believe that? Secondly, we need a savior who saves from sin. You know, no one would reasonably expect this leper to be asking that Jesus make him comfortable with his leprosy. It's ludicrous to even suggest such a thing. Of course he wouldn't say that, right? I mean, who in their right mind that had leprosy would come up and say, hey, I'm kind of enjoying this leprosy thing. Would you mind just making me comfortable in it so I can keep doing the leprosy thing with my leprosy friends? I mean, it's absolute stupidity. (laughs) No, this leper wanted to be clean, to be healed. That would have never satisfied him. He wouldn't even thought of it. In the same way, no one should reasonably expect those who come to Jesus for spiritual healing would be satisfied with simply being, have our sin be made tolerable by Jesus. Jesus, I kind of like this sin thing. I'm enjoying this. Can you just make it so the guilt isn't so heavy and penetrating? Can you just make it so that I can get to heaven? Can I just get the ticket and see you there? That's just as ludicrous. That's more ludicrous. Friends, the actual meaning of Jesus' name is this. God saves. That's what his name means. He didn't come to placate your sin. No, he he came to save us from our sins. Please hear me, friends. Friends. When you truly come to Jesus for healing, you come to be rid of your sins. That doesn't mean, and I'm not suggesting, that the minute you come to Christ by faith, you wake up a saint. And I mean, you do wake up a saint, but you wake up sinless. No, we fight and struggle against sin all of our life, but it is something we fight, right? We're not content to remain in our sin. And we're not interested in a ticket to heaven without our sins forgiven. Or without a genuine relationship with God. No, we don't want our consciences dull just so we can continue to sin. We've come to Christ to be saved from our sins, haven't we? Yes. And when Jesus saves, he saves completely. This is important. The old has passed away. The new has come. He slowly but surely extracts sin from our experience. We actually become more like Jesus day by day. We actually begin to hate the sin that separates us from our God. Have you noticed that, Christian? That you have less uh, patience with your own sin, more hatred towards the things that separate you from God, more sorrow, when the slightest sin enters your experience. Do you want to be free from your sin? That's the first step in actually being free. This leper was desperate to be freed from leprosy. Are you desperate to be freed from your sin? If you are still in love with your sins, then you're simply asking Jesus to remove your guilt so you can continue to sin and pursue your own desires? That's not genuine faith. If you remain entertained by your sins and enjoying your sins, then Jesus, then his healing isn't really what you're after. You're after after something make-believe. Hideous, in fact. The same kind of repulsive reality that enters your mind if this leper were to say, I'd still wanna be a leper, I just wanna be more comfortable as a leper. That would turn our stomach, this story would, if that were its ending. Thanks be to God, it's not. We have a savior who saves from sin completely. Next, we need a savior who's compassionate. I mean, look at yourself. Look at me. This is an ongoing battle to, to conquer sin, right? To, to become like Jesus. It's, it's an ongoing daily struggle. I need a Savior who's compassionate, who knows my weakness, who will continue to return to me and lift me up and heal my diseases. We need a compassionate Savior One who understands our plight and cares about us. What a compassionate Savior we have. Centuries before the Messiah showed up, we have this Psalm of David, Psalm 103, verse 14. For he knows our frame. Who does? God knows our frame. He remembers that we are but dust. He's compassionate. He knows what you're struggling with. He knows how to care. How to extend a loving touch, reassuring you of his commitment to you, even in the struggle with sin. Listen to the compassion that the author of Hebrews writes of in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14, 17, and 18. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, that is Christ Jesus, partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiations for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. We have a compassionate, loving, caring Savior who is not put off by your leprosy, I want, I don't do this often. I I do it when I think it's important. And that is share the original language with you when a word comes up that's particularly instructive. I want you to look at verse 41. And in my copy, I circled the word pity. Some translations have the word compassion. The ESV has pity, moved with pity. That word pity is a glorious term when it's used to describe our Savior. Our God, our Savior, is moved with pity when we come to Him with our leprosy. He's moved with compassion. The, the Greek word is this, and see if this, the sound of it doesn't stir your soul, splachnan. Sounds awesome, doesn't it? Splachnan. You've got to put it in the nasal. Splachnan. You want to know what the actual literal translation of that word is? The stirring of the entire person in all their inner parts. Everything, everything, every part of Jesus was stirred up by this simple request. If you are willing, <clears throat> you can make me clean. I know that you have the power to do this. I just don't know if you're willing to do it for me. A leprous outcast. Then Jesus, moved with compassion, moved with nun, said, I'm willing. What a wonderful picture of our Savior. Finally, I wanna close with this, the fourth point that we see in verses 43 through 45, the great exchange. This, This story is included in all three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, because it's a powerful story of the person and work of Jesus Christ. It's an important story. But besides the obvious display of Jesus' healing power, which further cemented his identity, his mission, we also see a physical hint here in the closing verses, 43 through 45. We see a, a, a physical hint of a greater exchange that would come very soon. It was a small picture here that Mark painted of the greatest exchange to ever take place when Jesus took on our sin and we took on his righteousness. The leper was the one who was outcast. The leper was the one who was to remain in desolate places, alone, away from people, destitute, He was the one that was vile in the eyes of the people, that disgusting leper. And then Jesus welcomed him, touched him, healed him, had compassion on him. And in doing so, according to verse 45, look at that verse closely. The leper was welcomed into society. Jesus was ostracized. Look at verse 45. But the leper went out and began to talk freely about what Jesus had done and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town. But he was out in desolate places. A small picture of the great exchange, the greatest exchange in human history to take place when Jesus took your sin and gave you his righteousness. He changed places with a leper and he does it every day he exchanges his perfection his love for God his perfection in the eyes of his father is now our perfection and Jesus takes our putrefying leprous body and he takes that to the cross and pays the penalty that we owe what a picture What an amazing truth. This is how Paul described it in 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, he made him. God made the Son of God. God made Jesus to be sin. The one who knew no sin, he became sin. He took on our sin so that in him, in Jesus Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. The great exchange. Turn with me and we'll close with this. To Isaiah 53 this was on the overhead as we began our service we asked you to meditate on it listen to these words penned by Isaiah 700 years before Jesus was born starting in verse 3 he who's that the Messiah we know to be Jesus he was despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he, dis- he was despised, and we esteemed his, him not. Sounds like leprosy, doesn't it? Surely, he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. There's that exchange. He was crushed for our, let's make that personal, for my iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought me peace. And with his stripes, we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, that is our Savior, our Messiah, all of our iniquity. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, and yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb, he was led to the slaughter. Like a sheep that before its shears is silent, he opened not his mouth. He took our shame, he took our guilt, and exchanged it for his perfection, for his righteousness. And holds it out to you lepers, holds it out to us lepers. And says, come, come and be healed. Let's pray. Father, words cannot express the overwhelming joy and gratitude that fills our hearts and minds as we consider our wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ, your Son, who came to earth 2,000 years ago to take on human flesh, and not just take on human flesh, but take our sins with that human flesh to the cross to pay the penalty that we owe. We will sing of these glorious truths throughout eternity. Our joy will have no bounds. Father, we thank you. We praise you, Jesus, our Savior. We acknowledge the work of the Holy Spirit in planting the words of Christ in our soul and growing faith within us so that we can embrace our Savior, Jesus Christ. So we give all praise and glory to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit with whom we will dwell forever and ever, amen.